with you. I want to invite you to open up to the letter of Paul to Philemon. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's fine, uh, because we'll have it on the screen behind me, but we're going to be in the letter of Paul to Philemon. It is a short little letter. In fact, it's probably the shortest in the New Testament. It is right before Hebrews. So as you're going through your New Testament, and if you run into Hebrews, or if you run into to uh, uh, first and second, third John, you, you've obviously gone too far. Uh, but we are in Philemon chapter 4. Starting a new series. Uh, uh, well, last week we started it on, on the fact that relationships matter. And the older I get, and I guess the more I, 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 I grow up, because we all need to grow up a little bit, right? The more I am realizing how important it is uh, to have healthy relationships. And so we're focusing now for the next few weeks on the idea of biblically healthy relationships. So this is our second message. I think there's going to be six, um, but uh, uh, we'll just focus on this second one here in, in verses four through seven. You know, there was a sequence in the comic strip Peanuts one time in which Linus had written a comic strip of his own, and he wanted to present it to his sister to see if she thought that it was funny. So you see in the first frame there, uh, he asked her to take a look at this, and you know, the second frame, she, she maybe he finds it a little humorous. I mean, maybe not. I mean, Lucy, who knows what Lucy thinks? And she says, well, who wrote this? And he gets a little excited about it. Well, I wrote this. Well, I don't think it's funny then. <laughs> and in the final frame, you see Linus walking away saying, big sisters are the crabgrass and the lawn of life. And, um, you know, we find funny because every single one of us has had a Lucy in our life in one point or another. The person that rarely, if ever, ever says anything to lift your spirits, anything that is of uh, encouragement. And we connect with this real because everyone knows the power of negativity. And that is not very hard to find someone who is ready to uh, to, to get you feeling low. It is something that destroys relationships, it cripples motivation, it, it ruins spirits, and it's just simply not helpful. And when it comes to uh, relationships, especially ones that might be fragile or possibly even already broken, it's really easy for us to become the crabgrass on someone else's lawn. But as the people of the God, we don't, uh, people of God, we don't want to be the crabgrass that grows on someone's lawn. We don't want to be those pesky weeds. We want to be the fertilizer that helps foster growth in people. We, uh, as redeemed people of Christ, want to be both the sun and the rain that fosters those needed avenues that help people get built up and grown uh, in, in the Lord and give positive growth and change in our relationships. And so last week, we looked at the foundations of a biblical, healthy uh, relationships. And today, we're going to push out of that circle diagram that we looked at, and we are now going to look at practically how do we begin tilling the ground of our fledgling, broken, or perhaps even healthy relationships that could always use a good uh, booster shot. And um, we're going to look at it by the power of encouragement. 
So let's look at our passage here. And uh, then I'm going to walk us through three principles that you and I can actually already take away from this as soon as we walk, well, not even as soon as we walk out the door, as soon as we get out of our chairs, and maybe even before that. And so this is what uh, Paul writes to his friend Philemon in verses 4 through 7. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers, because I hear of your love for all the saints and of the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. So our relationships need help. But thankfully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been given tools to begin the needed repair work in those particular relationships and repairing them or restoring them. And one of them is biblical encouragement. And we do that firstly by finding and expressing areas worthy of praise. Find and express areas that are worthy of praise. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul tells us this. He says, whatever, uh, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence or if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. In other words... As the people of God, we ought to live in a mindset that is constantly looking for the good things in people. To dwell here means to live in, to abide in, make it something that is part of who you are. When it comes to finding areas worthy of praise, we don't want to be like this guy up here. Now, how many of you know who this guy is. Not very many of you. How many of you don't know who this guy is? Wow. How many of you under 40 don't know who this guy is? Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, this, of course, is Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. He is, um, he was Eddie's annoying, uh, he, he was Eddie who was the annoying friend of Wally Cleaver. He was full of fl uh, flattery, but it was often just a mask. It was often just a disguise. He would compliment Mrs. Cleaver on her appearance quite frequently, and he would compliment her on her ability to keep the house clean. And of course, Mrs. Cleaver always saw through him because it wasn't genuine. When it comes to encouragement in our relationships, we don't want to be in Eddie Haskell. There is no room for superficial flattery in relationships, especially ones that are in trouble. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, it says that a person who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. And a lying tongue hates those that it crushes, and a flattering mouth causes ruin. So we want to be people that speak life into other people, not just flattery. 
or not just, not flattery, period. Look at how Paul does this. Paul is writing to Philemon really about some serious stuff. This guy, Onesimus, had wronged Philemon in a major way ran away from his troubles, did not want to deal with the issues with Philemon. He wanted to avoid them, so he ran away, and, he, and uh, he ended up fleeing to Paul. And upon meeting Paul, he ends up becoming a Christian, a believer in Christ. He ended up feeling remorse and repentance for his behavior and his actions towards Philemon. And Paul then was sending Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter that we know as Philemon. And, and also, he's probably carrying Colossians as well, because it, it's uh, believed that Philemon lived in, in Colossae, and these were written very closely at the same time. And he sends him back to Philemon to make it right. But before Paul gets into the difficult particulars that come into play in um, in touchy situations, he finds areas in which he sees God working in Philemon's life. Verse 4, he says, I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers. Now think about the Apostle Paul for a second. He must have had one massive Rolodex of prayer uh, of prayer requests, of people that he prayed for. There was churches, there was movements, there was individuals. This is the biggest missionary that's ever come on the face of the planet. And he doesn't hide the fact that he prays for Philemon. In fact, he, he says, you know what, Philemon? I pray for you. I care for you. I pray for you often. And when I pray for you, I thank God for you. What do you think that would do to Philemon? It gave Philemon confidence that Paul wasn't just praying for Philemon in a, in a general sense, but that Philemon made a positive impact on Paul's life because of his relationship with Jesus. When we start on that foot in difficult conversations or situations or if we are needing to push the reset button on something, finding areas of praise and expressing them, which can be painful and hard as well, has a disarming effect on those that we are trying to reach. It's not in a manipulative way, but it's in a loving way because we care about these people and we want things to work out. Continuing on in verse 5, Paul writes why he is thankful for Philemon. He says, because I hear of, the, of your faith for all the saints and the faith, uh, your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in Jesus our Lord. Paul is thanking God and expressing to Philemon his deep respect for him and appreciation for how Philemon's faith in Jesus made him into a person who loves and serves others wholeheartedly for the sake of the gospel. By the way, he's letting him know that he admires Philemon's love for even people like Onesimus, who had wronged him in such a way. And he's reminding him of that love. 
So in the, in the most fractured and broken relationships, there's something in which we can use to begin building a bridge of restoration. The problem is, is that when we're in conflict with, with people, we typically don't want to think good of them. We don't want to see those good things. We're sort of blinded by our outrage of what is going on in, in that particular moment. And perhaps the first thing we need to do is, is we need to lean on the Holy Spirit and we need to pray and say, Lord, I know this person certainly does not deserve even a compliment from me and I'm having a hard time even finding a sliver of gold in this, but would you help me to begin the, the course of this restoration? by finding something and giving me the courage to express that. When Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians, um, he was dealing with a toxic church that had issues going on within the church that would make our heads spin. And Paul had every reason to start off his letter full throttle. You know what, you guys, you guys, you guys aren't Christian at all. Look at how you're behaving. Look at how you're acting. You're arrogant. You're rude. You're, you're trying to one-up each other. What's wrong with you? Why, don't you? why don't you get with it? Pull yourself up. Pull yourself together. And indeed, he sort of does that in a way throughout the letter, but not before he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to push pause there for just a second. Even if there is nothing else that you can find good about someone else, you can find it good that God has given them grace. But he goes on. That you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech and all knowledge. So Paul recognizes that this is a talented church. But they got a lot of good things going on. Yeah, they have some messiness. Yes, they have some brokenness. Yes, there's uh, some bricks that we need to put back in the wall and some fixing that needs to happen. But hey, let's, let's first look at what is, uh, what's good going on here. So whatever you've got going on with others in your life, get out the trowel. Start digging. Throw some fertilizer in it. Take out your hose. Water it down. Do what you need to do to start these things on a positive note. Thank God for it and express it. Verbalize it. And second, we need to actively seek the good of the situation. We need to actively seek the good of the situation. Verse, four, uh, verse 6, Paul transitions from thanking and praising what is already there to praying for something that is either incomplete or missing. He writes this. He says, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. So his prayer is that Philemon's faith would make an impact on the community that he's around, for those that he rubs shoulders with, for those that he is in relationship with. And how often is it that when we have 
relationship issues, our default sentiment toward them is to write them off, to avoid them, to cut off communication, to uh, maybe in some situations ruin their reputation through gossip. Or maybe you stop caring, or you maybe even wish ill on them. That's not how Paul worked. And that is not what God calls us to in our relationships. Paul desperately wanted the best for Philemon here. He not only wanted Philemon's relationship with Onesimus to flourish, but he wanted Philemon to be a blessing through what all of us have in Christ Jesus, the gospel. We often have a very short-sighted view of our relationships, and really in life for that. And what I mean by that is that we tend to only see what is in front of us. When we are in a conflict or something is, is going on, it is easy to only see the conflict, not see what is beyond that, what could be, what is the potential. But instead, we think that this current status of um, uh, emotional angst or strife or worry or division, we, we tend to think that that's a permanent status because that's all that we can see. Paul, however, had the bigger picture in mind. He chose to see beyond the conflict and, and look towards what it could be. People are very difficult. And if you've ever dealt with another person, you realize that none of us are perfect. We all have issues. We all have different things that we struggle with. And, and it, it has different nuances in relationship dynamics. But for our part, we must choose to think the best of others and actively seek the good in the relationship. We have to choose not to complain about them with other people. We must work hard towards healing, which, by the way, includes owning up to our responsibility in the conflict. Romans 12, verse 18 says this. It says, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, I want to call time out here and make us see what Paul is really saying here. As far as it is up to you. So our responsibility as people is to do everything that we can to try to work towards harmony in our relationships. But notice what's implied in this verse. We can't control other people. We are not responsible for their actions, for their thoughts, their behaviors. So as far as it is up to us, we ought to live at peace with everyone. So how are you doing in this? Where are you at? Maybe you're like Onesimus. Maybe you have really wronged someone, and today you need to own up to your mistakes. 
and think the best of that person. That person is not your enemy, but you are working together for a common goal. Maybe you're here today and you're like Philemon and you're the victim. Your job as a man or woman of God is to pursue wholeness with them, to seek peace. You know, one big spark to that is to see the best in them, to seek the good and work towards peace. And finally, the third thing that we can leave with today is encourage, encourage, encourage. And I should have put three dots instead of an exclamation point there because that's really what it is. Encourage, 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 encourage. We need to be people who are encouraging. You know, in 1874, Benjamin Disraeli and William Gladstone were competing for the position of Prime Minister of England. And these two leaders really have gone down in history. It's not hard to find much uh, information about them. They're very famous in, in British political history, but with very contrasting personalities. And it wasn't surprising to anybody in England at the time that Disraeli won the election. And William Gladstone, the one who lost, was a very clever and witty and intelligent person. He was the kind of guy that you would uh, look at his resume and, and his pedigree, and you would think this guy is, is prime for being the prime minister that maybe he deserves the job. What made the difference, however, was summed up by a woman who had dinner with both Disraeli and Gladstone on separate nights a week before the election. And upon her interactions with these two gentlemen, this is what she had said. When I left the dining room, after sitting next to Gladstone, I thought he was the cleverest man in England. But when I sat next to Disraeli, I left feeling that I was the cleverest woman in England. That lady was Jenny Jerome, who would go on a few years later to be the mother of Winston Churchill. And what she illustrated through those interactions was to make positive, healthy change in our relationships has to involve biblical encouragement of pouring ourselves into other people. Now in verse 7, Paul writes to Philemon about the impact that Philemon has had on Paul, and it's incredibly encouraging and empowering. It says, for I have great joy and encouragement from your love. Now imagine how that could be received for a guy like Philemon. Here's Paul. He's the greatest missionary ever in human history. He changed the world through his missionary journeys. And he tells Philemon that he gives him joy and encouragement. If you have a strained relationship with someone, and uh, the person that you were at odds with began by saying to you, you know what? Your friendship means something to me. You matter to me. 
I find joy in your companionship. Your support carries me. How would that change the dynamic of your relationship with them? See, the problem is, is that many of us are so preoccupied with winning a disagreement or being right or being vindicated that we want to shortcut this very important step and move right into the problem. And when we do that, we go into the conversation with guns that are loaded, cocked, and ready. They are blazing. And when we do that, we're not going to get anywhere. Because what happens? When you go in with a mindset like that, what does the person do? It's his foot back, and automatically they're on the defensive. It's not going to get you anywhere. Paul doesn't even go there. He tells Philemon, man, I get joy. I get encouragement from your love. And then he tells them the reason why. He says, because the, the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. What is better than refreshing someone's heart? Not much. And you're saying, man, I get joy because you do this on a regular basis. Many times we don't realize the impact that we're having on others. And so when someone points it out and they, they pull you aside and they say, hey, you know what? I, man, I see what you're doing and man, this is really cool. I, I see the impact that you're making. I see the, the change that I've seen in others because of you. I've seen how others have been blessed by you. And man, I just want to say good job. I want to give you a high five. You know, I want to just, you know, say, keep it up. Those sorts of things can go really far in relationships. But again, we need to push away from the tendency to be negative. We need to take every single thought that we have captive for Christ. We need to stop avoiding. We need to, we need to stop trying to get everyone else to feel the same way about that person that you feel about them. We need to stop assuming motives and we need to start building blocks in healthy relationships. So what would happen if we made those that, are, that we are in conflict with, even deep conflict with, feel that they're important? What would you lose? Well, you might say, well, it might already inflate their enormously large ego so what? We'll have time to deal with that. Right now, we're just starting the process. We've got nothing to lose and everything gain, to gain by encouraging. Now, before we close our time, I think it would be helpful to uh, remember the basis of this encouragement and why we're called to it. Last week, we said that uh, unless we have a relationship with God and understand ourselves in light of that, a healthy relationship will be much more difficult. So it is that we have that if we want to have a genuine biblical encouragement, we also need to be encouraged ourselves. And a big chunk of that encouragement comes from knowing Jesus' great love for us. 
and his sacrifice for us by dying on the cross in our place for our sins so that we could have a restored relationship with God the Father. Now, in Romans 15, Paul relates this message that, um, that we have a right relationship with God, then we can have a right relationship with others. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 15. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance that is through the encouragement of the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. So that's what it's all about, a harmonious relationship, being one together. We can have healthy relationships. It takes a lot of work. It's difficult. But because of the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I, man, we can put one foot in front of the other and do the work that is needed to take these uh, relationships that are fledgling and have them soar. So will you put in the work today to begin tilling the ground, fertilizing it, watering it, so that our relationships can be having healthy growth? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, every single one of us has been affected by uh, relationships that um, may not be the healthiest. Maybe we're the catalyst for that. Maybe we're the victims of it. But whatever the case, Lord, it, it, it's our job to start by making peace with all. And so, Father, I pray for all those various things that are going on in this room for every single one of us. God, that you would help us to glorify you in those relationships. Give us the courage, give us the grace that we need to go forth from this place and begin tilling the ground, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask this. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Emmanuel Baptist Church in Mora, Minnesota. For more messages, find us online at www.emmanuelmora.com or on any podcast app. Visit our website for more information about our church or access more resources. Also, if you like what you've heard, consider partnering with us in our mission by giving financially. You can give a one-time gift or give recurring gifts at www.emmanuelmora.com or text the word GIFT to 320-313-1950.